0: Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay.
1: Wish we could turn back time to the good old days when the mama sang us to sleep, but now we're stressed
2: out.
1: (laughs) I was like, are we going to do it again? It's, waka, it's, waka, waka, waka. it's relevant on two levels. We'll let everybody else <laughs> out there figure it out. And, <laughs> Manilo, yeah, we're going deep today yeah. here in the Command Zone.
2: Anyway, how's it going? What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts,
1: Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. All right, M21 is here. Yeah. We did the best new commanders. We went through all the legendary creatures last week and now we're starting on our set review of all the cards that will uh, be able to go in the 99 yeah uh you know what i'm actually pretty stoked uh, got a look at all the cards and i
2: think it's a pretty exciting core set overall there are a few things in here that that just make me go
1: okay power level increased yeah there are some eye-popping reprints too yes um Very yeah exciting. but a lot of really cool brand new cards that i think are going to make a splash in the format before we get into it As always, you can support this show by supporting our sponsors. If you go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone right now, you can pre-order the M21 stuff. Mm -hmm. And we're about to talk about a bunch of cards that you're gonna want to get your hands on. So And those reprints. Oh oh you definitely want the reprint Grim Tutor? I mean (laughs) (laughs) 1999. I was yeah, I was young when that card came out. That card was two hundred dollars like a month ago. (laughs) So, if you want to pre-order any of this stuff, obviously there's a lot coming down the pipe. There's been so much coming out recently too. You may not have caught up with all the Acoria stuff, yeah. with all the mystery boosters. With uh, it's crazy. There's there's no shortage of things you probably want to get your hand on. So again, jumpstart too. Holy yep, moly! CardKingdom.com/slash/commands, and you're gonna buy magic cards anyway. If you just use that affiliate link, when you do, you really are supporting all of our content. It's
2: so simple, and you know what?
1: What's great with
2: new releases? That means Ultra Pro, our other sponsor, is coming out with new play mats, new sleeves, everything—the accoutrement to make your play mat and your area look awesome when you play. Not to mention some of these special new cards. Grim Tutor needs to go in a sleeve. Oh, you gotta put Grim Tutor. You better in put it in, in a sleeve. sleeve. And they have that other alternate version, which yep. looks really great. Jeffrey Palmer also did a cool animated version of that. And you know, if you're me, you're putting it into a double sleeve. And guess what? Ultra Pro has your bases covered. Josh and I have trusted them for years, going on now, and they have been the most consistent. Their quality is sturdy and. I I just I love using the product,
1: straight yeah. up. I feel very safe when my cards are an Ultra Pro product. read. So, yeah, and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. You can, you can uh, qualify for all kinds of cool perks like uh, interacting with Jimmy and myself on our Discord each and every day. Yeah. You also get to do things like watch game nights earlier than anybody else. And spoiler alert... There's a Game Nights for M21 that's being worked on now. We managed to, uh, yeah, things loosened up a little bit here from the pandemic, and we were able to film one episode. We had to make a few changes, but we have limited time to do it. We're still going to get it out for you, so if you want to see that early, patreon.com slash command zone. And we call it One Lucky Patron every single episode, so this episode
2: is dedicated dedicated
1: to to Kyle Carrasco. Carrasco. Kyle, you rock. Carrasco. Carrasco. I wonder if you like spicy things. I'm going to assume so because Kyle sounds like a cool person. Yeah, totally. Uh, quick note, this set review is actually going to be split up into two parts. So this is part one. We're going to go through some of the cycles and a couple of the colors. And then part two, hopefully later this week, we'll cover the rest of the colors obviously yeah make it a little more digestible for you all as well make it a little easier on the editing team yeah a little bit easier overall two hour long episodes uh in the same amount of time we get a couple extra days this way for yeah. the for the second half and i think most people probably watch it in pieces anyway so hopefully it won't it won't uh, bother anybody out there all
2: right let's but get time in. they finish this episode the next one will be out.
1: yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so part one of our m21 set review again we did do our new commander review last week So go ahead and go check that out, but we're not going to be discussing the legendary creatures from the set today. We're only going to talk about the cards that go into the 99. Yeah, and normally we don't talk about reprints. There are always reprints
2: in every set, but this one is actually kind of special because the reprints, they look like they have a finger pointed directly
1: at our format and being like, this one's for you guys. It's for y'all. It really does feel like they were like, all right, what commander reprints can we throw into this set? How many can we do? And they did quite a few. Yeah. So let's run them down. Azusa, Lost But Seeking. Much needed. Yeah, t- I mean, tons of decks play that card. Ugin, Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Great Eugene, everyone. Possu- yeah, possibly the, the, the best Planeswalker in the
2: format, right? Yeah, I mean, it's got everything you want on it to be to be serious. And Unless you're playing played. It's Cassius, in yeah. which case it's the
1: worst Planeswalker in the
2: format. And you're like, turn three, how? Uh, Massacre Worm, <laughs> just a card that
1: sometimes can just win games out of nowhere. Yep. Uh, Heroic Intervention. I was really shocked by how expensive heroic intervention had gotten yeah which just shows like how many green decks are playing that card so it's a much needed reprint that's Super pretty efficient awesome. too and like we mentioned grim tutor grim tutor is kind of the big headliner of the set but it's not every set that has every like standard legal set especially like you see like mana crypt get reprinted but it's in yeah. eternal masters or one of these like ten dollar right, booster right. pack sets this is a two hundred dollar card. Previous to you know its uh, announcement as a reprint, that's coming into you know three dollar booster packs or yeah, four dollar booster packs. Pretty cool. Grim it's tut- not the best tutor, but it is a, still a pretty good tutor. It's, I'd say, it's pretty great. I mean. Like I didn't have one before this, and so you didn't you didn't have the starter pack 1999 that no, came no. in. <laughs> so demonic tutor and vampiric obviously go in the decks, and then after that it's like uh, beseech the queen, which is a yeah. little it's pretty good. Then you are have to like diabolic tutor and stuff, yeah. and this is much better than those two. So I think, yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't play a lot of tutors in my decks, but in my very in my more powerful more push decks you do want that kind of thing so access to grim Tutor, i think a lot of people are going to enjoy
2: yeah uh, and also this is one that isn't like super flashy but cultivate uh this is a card that also slowly creeps up in price over time because it is a staple in every green deck pretty much and for the budget players now you get a version of it that's easy to get and you can crack it in a booster that's very easily accessible they print the crap out of these core sets so these cards thankfully i think are gonna be
1: everywhere yeah i bet mitch is happy about cultivate because it's a card that right you know in budget decks when you used to build 50 dollars decks he was i remember when we talked to him was talking about how a lot of these things that used to be cheap staples, if they don't get reprinted often, they just start to creep up to the point where like $2 or so and he can't even put them in budget decks. Uh, And you know, quick note here, Cultivate and Kodama's Reach when we did our stats episodes uh, a couple years ago were two of the winningest cards in the format. If you have those cards in your deck, you're more likely to win. Just... More lands in play. Lands are good. good. Thing. so um, There are a bunch of more reprints, of course. We're not going to talk about all of them.
2: Uh, Fabled Passage, Containment Priest. These are all cards that see a lot of play. Um, Fabled Passage, I have a sneaking suspicion, is going to get reprinted a lot. I hope so. It's a great card, and it's an, it's an awesome
1: way to give a basic fetch land to decks that need it. All right, so yeah, pretty cool on the reprint front, but let's talk about what everyone's the most excited about, uh, besides Grim Tutor, which is the <laughs> new cards. So there's a couple of cycle. Well, there's one cycle in... Uh, right. In this set, and it's something people have been asking for for a while. Yeah,
2: uh, our good friend Wes, who we used to draft and play a lot with, had built entire decks just around this
1: idea. And this is before these six new ones came out. So it's the shrines. Shrines. So they were in uh, Kamigawa before, Mm -hmm. but there were only five of them, and they all care about how many shrines you have. So it's really hard to build a shrine deck because there was only five. Yeah. And now there's six new ones.
2: Yeah, and not to mention one of these is the granddaddy of all shrines. It's literally called the Sanctum of all All. All. (laughs) that's the shrine sound (laughs) every time you play it this trigger happens so this is a woober card that's a legendary enchantment shrine and it says at the beginning of your upkeep you may search your library and or graveyard for a shrine card and put it onto the battlefield if you search your library this way shuffle it and if an ability of another shrine you control triggers while you control six or more shrines that ability triggers an additional time so this is cool. This immediately tutors out a shrine onto the battlefield in a Wuberg deck. Plenty of ways to find this enchantment because it's, you know, you can tutor out enchantments pretty easily in these colors because you have all of them. Yep. And bam, you're just putting a bunch of them onto the battlefield, every single upkeep. It's your up, You're every single one your upkeep. Sorry.
1: Yeah, it's five mana, but it allows you to go find whatever the best shrine is for the deck that you've built, and mm-hmm. guarantee it's like a second copy of that shrine in a lot of ways. Right, right. Yeah, I think that having six shrines <laughs> on the battlefield is a little bit like you're probably just winning a, by a lot if that's happened, and you don't need the second trigger. But hey, why not? Yeah, and you're just you're just hoping no one has bane of progress or anything in their deck. I mean, if they do, you're you they never let you get to five, right? Like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, like, and these are not cheap cards to play either. Some of them are in the four, five, six mana range. So let's talk about this new cycle. They're all uh, they're all uncommons, and there's one for each color, and they're all legendary enchantments. Now, the thing about Sanctum of All is that it's only on your upkeep, but it is a very powerful ability, I think. And a lot of the shrines, especially the old ones, trigger on your upkeep. Right. So there were the Hondins, by the way. Yeah um the Honden of cleansing fire infinite rage life's web knight's reach and
1: seeing winds should we read the five um monocolor ones ones here and then we can kind of go through the cards that kind of go yeah that's a good idea okay so the white one is called sanctum of tranquil light it's just one white mana these are all legendary enchantment shrines oh that's actually really cheap for a shrine by the way yeah the the fact that they're legendary does come up because you can't copy them Mm -hmm. and things like that so be aware uh Sanctum of Tranquil Light has an activated ability. So it's an enchantment with an activated ability. You pay five and a white, and you tap target creature. But this ability costs one less to activate for each shrine you control. Ah. So if you have, like, five shrines, it's just white. And you can do this as many times as you have the mana to do it. So you could tap five creatures if you had, you know, enough mana to do that. If you have five shrines. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
2: but it could cost less. And it's the more important thing is that it only costs one to cast. The Sanctum of Calm Waters, can you guess? It's blue, uh, is three in the blue legendary enchantment shrine at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase you may draw x cards where x is the number of shrines you control if you do discard the card now this is new typically the shrines were at upkeep and this is at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase yeah
1: So Um, interesting interesting but of course it draws cards
2: yeah X cards, by the way, so, you know, again, if you have... It's
1: just going to loot if it's by itself, right? Because you always have to discard that card at the end. But if you have right. two shrines, now all of a sudden you're up a card and you get to pick the best card out of the two yeah. that you draw before you discard Actually, you get to discard a card, so it doesn't even have to be one of the cards you drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, the card draw ones are going to be some of the better ones. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's not hard to guess. Um, Sanctum of Fruitful Harvest is the green one, two a green. And it says, at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase... Add X of any one color where X is the number of shrines you control. Oh. So this is a mana rock, kind of. You don't tap it or anything. It just adds the mana. Um, a little bit worse than mana rock, right? Because I can't hold this mana up on Jimmy's turn or something. Yes. But still... The you fact get a main phase. You get it main phase. And the fact that it can be more than one mana, right? We're used to paying three mana. If you pay three mana for a mana rock, besides... Worn Power Stone and Coalition Relic, everything else just basically only gives you one mana. At that point, yeah. I think so. I think that's a correct statement. Um, and this can it's give you two, correct. three, four if you really get the shrine thing going. Yeah. If you're getting three mana off it, that's kind of nuts. It's Gilded Lotus at that point? Yeah, and it, you know, it would pay for itself just three mana as well. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Sanctum of Stone Fangs is the black one. It's one in the black. Uh, at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life for X is the number of shrines you control okay all right so it's a bit of an aristocraty type effect again this one is not as impressive when you have so many other cards in black that do the same thing however this is something that will happen every single precombat uh, pre-combat main phase on your turn and you have if you have sanctum of all out that means it's happening multiple times
1: yeah if you don't you have to control six or more amount. shrines yeah. yeah i mean i think the, <laughs> the thing about this one is it's like you said for the white one is one mana and this one's two mana and what you want to do is have a lot of shrines out so you don't you know, you need some cheap ones, even if they don't do much, to just count as a shrine. Mm-hmm. Because if then you, the next turn you cast the green one and you get two extra mana, you know, the next turn, that's a lot better than one extra mana, obviously, and it starts to yeah, to snowball. Uh, the red one is the last one here, Sanctum of Shattered Heights, two in red, uh, legendary enchantment shrine. You can pay one and discard a land card or a shrine card. And then Sanctum of Shattered Heights deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker, where X is the number of, you guessed it, shrines you control. So that's a direct damage spell to only creatures and planeswalkers. Can't hit players. Uh, that allows you to, yeah. I mean, you're going to discard land cards, right? You're not discarding shrine cards, probably. The only reason you would
2: discard the shrine card would be before your upkeep with the Sanctum of Law on the battlefield, and then you could fetch it from the graveyard to the battlefield.
1: Okay, or if you had, uh, assuming it's a shrine deck. and And... It's very hard to build a deck that's like, eh, I'm a little bit concerned about shrines. You're there all in on shrines if <laughs> you're
2: not doing shrines, right? Yeah, that's this is 11 cards out of your deck right now, and <laughs> which is
1: like, you know, a fifth of your deck right there. So maybe you have cards that get just get enchantments back from your graveyard and things like that too. So I, yeah. I guess I could see that. Replenish type thing. Yeah, it's too uh-huh. bad you have to lose the card. So Sanctum of Shattered Heights doesn't give you card advantage in any way here. Yeah. It's just you turn cards in your hand into lightning bolts and stuff kind of right
2: yeah i mean to be honest i'm not super impressed with all of the new shrines i think some of them are much better obviously the green and blue ones uh, oh, who yeah, it? the
1: green and blue ones that are good who would
2: have flunk it <laughs> um so let's take a look at the original hondens so there's a Honden of cleansing fire we'll just go through these quickly three in a white at the beginning of your upkeep you gain two life for each shrine you control the red one is infinite rage it deals damage to target creature or player equal to the number of shrines you control at the beginning of your upkeep the green one again at the beginning of your upkeep you put a one one colorless spirit creature token for each shrine you control the black one you your Opponent discards a card for each shrine you control. Now, that is actually pretty vicious because mm-hmm. uh, you can get someone discarding up to, I guess, 11 cards. You have 11 shrines, you you just, yeah, won, you're, already. <laughs> you're already winning. Uh, the Haunted of Seeing wins is drawing a card for each shrine you control. Um, of and I think this one's actually worse than Calm Waters because this costs five mana. Uh, and whereas Calm Waters, you're only discarding one, but it seems like you can get it out earlier. Yeah. And then that is, I think, yeah, it. that's all five of them. Yeah.
1: So, Those ones, like we said, they all trigger on the upkeep. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because... In a shrine deck, we're assuming you're going to put the Hondens and the Sanctums all in there because you're going to want just the highest density of shrines that you can get. Right. If someday in the future they make five more shrines, you're going to put those shrines in because it'll be a long time until there's too many shrines <laughs> where you're going, I don't need this one. I can cut one now. Yeah. yeah.
2: You want to be playing a shrine every turn if you're this deck,
1: I think. Yeah. So uh, anyway, because the upkeep is so important for the other five shrines, I think one of the cards that you would definitely want in the deck is... Paradox Haze. This is a cool card.
2: Yeah, it's a card that you played in your... uh, Joyra deck. Joyra deck, yeah. It's two in the blue for an enchantment. You can enchant player. At the beginning of enchant player's first upkeep each turn, that player gets an additional upkeep step
1: this turn, after this step. So you get two upkeeps. So any upkeep triggers you get, you just get them twice. Really cool with the shrines. Yeah, Yeah. it was the old school Joyra with the suspend counters, not the new Joyra. Right, and if you have Sanctum of
2: All and six shrines, you're getting four triggers total because it's going to trigger twice and then that times two for Sanctum of All. So it could be great. That's game winning. Look we're just in magical Christmas land for this entire conversation. You need to have so much for even this, like, maybe, maybe, maybe let's just move on. Let's, let's see. You know. no, no like... wait, wait, wait. No, I
1: want to talk about the Shrine deck for a second. Okay, fine. I think the best uh, commander for the Shrine deck is Sissé Weatherlight Captain. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think Gigantha, the Wellspring, also kind of might have a place there just because you can tap it to cast the Sanctum of All, but Sissé... It gives you Woolburg, yeah. Yeah, Sissé
1: is pretty strong here, I think, just because, again, you're looking for legendary permanents. Right, so... Th- And because you only have 11 shrines in the deck, you're going to really want to guarantee that you can go find them. Yeah. And so Sise definitely helps you tutor up the shrines that you need. Uh, So so I think that's a good... That's probably the commander you want to go with. Just so you guaranteed can do the thing your deck's built to do, which is put shrines out. Well, it's easy with if there's only 11 in the deck that you just only draw one in the whole game. Yeah. In which case, your deck's just be like... It's not doing much.
2: Yeah, yeah, you want to find ways to tutor it out. Obviously, in white, you have Idyllic Tutor in a lot of those cards as well. Sisy seems like a pretty good fit here, as long as you're able to tutor it out. Now, again, it is a pretty mana intensive deck, so it's a ton of ramp. It's five color, uh, though. Yeah, you wrote a lot of Enchantress pieces to keep your engine going and just drawing cards regardless. I think that's right as well. The kind of thing that this deck wants, though, is a real win condition,
1: because just having all the, the shrines out is a lot of value, but you gotta find a way to end the game, right? It's true, actually. You're gonna make mana, draw cards, tap down their permanence, uh, make some tokens with the old one, draw more cards, gain life. Oh, crap. Which one wins the game? Red can't can't even deal the... It's the black one, the stone fangs, right? So they just wait exile the black one and be like okay what else you got and you're like crap i'm making uh, mana drawing cards tapping down th- dang it i've just decked myself whoops <laughs> you starfield of nix and turn them into creatures and just do what an enchantress deck does i yeah. guess i guess
2: i think these kinds of decks
1: are definitely fun
2: and they're very easy to build because these cards are not prohibitively expensive right. um, and they're all uncommons for the most part except for sanctum of all so i i mean it's cool to see this i think these are good and limited obviously and you don't forget when you just have one shrine out you're getting at least that one trigger
1: Yeah. It's going to be a middle power deck too, which is like a lot of people ask us all the time, well, how do I build? I only build like eights and nines and tens. Well, sometimes choosing a theme like, hey, I'm going to build a shrine deck. will just naturally keep your power down so you can maybe play with your play group if they play mostly sixes or whatever. So yeah. yeah. All right. I just threw a lot of shade at the shrines. I mean, no, I still got to build a saga deck. Can I build a saga (laughs) and shrine deck at this? No. No they want totally Soga different trying. things one wants to like proliferate and mess with counters and stuff and these want to just get out on and the then enchantress basically right
2: yeah at least you have enchantment maybe it's just an enchantment matters five color deck put in your favorite things.
1: <laughs> Sure. <laughs> sure. All right. All right. Uh, let's talk about the new planeswalkers in this set. So it's a core set. There are five new planeswalkers, one in each color. Yeah. Uh, very exciting. There's
2: a new planeswalker on the battlefield now. And oh yeah, he's... this is the
1: first time we've ever
2: like met this character. Yeah, I believe they're from Ket, and it okay. is Basri Ket. Like Amonkhet, actually. Interesting. It's one white-white for a legendary Planeswalker Basri. So it's a three-man Planeswalker. Comes in with three loyalty. Plus one. You can put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature, and it gains Indestructible until end of turn. okay. Minus two. Whenever one or more non-token creatures attack this turn, create that many one-one white soldier creature tokens that are tapped and attacking. And at minus six, you get an emblem with at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a one one white soldier creature token, and then put the plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. So this is sort of like the uh, inevitability clause. Uh, you just get to minus six and you're making a bunch of tokens. This is, I'd say, right in the middle of uh, power level. It's sort of what you come to expect for planeswalkers that are white. They, they buff up some creatures. Maybe they make them harder to kill. Plus one plus one counters matters. It's not terribly impressive, but I think the rate for a three-mana Planeswalker that at the very least can make something bigger is not the worst. Typically, we want to make tokens. The minus two,
1: though, more interesting here. It does make tokens, but it's it's uh, contingent upon you attacking with a bunch of creatures, which, you know, does happen in games. But I don't know how, like, how often are you really swinging with more than two creatures right mm-hmm. so a lot of times i think your best case scenario your most realistic scenario for this is play it negative two attack get two one ones and now bosri's at one loyalty and probably going to die yeah you better hope too that those one ones can go somewhere that they're not going to get blocked and just immediately dead because they're one ones and they have to be entering the battlefield tapped and attacking as well that's a really good point and you're not doing that on turn three because yeah what'd you do well i guess you want one drop two drop but that's pretty rare right a restek or something maybe can do that but right probably you're playing this on turn four at the earliest because you went two drop three drop and then you, you want know, more attackers somebody's got i mean people have blockers maybe maybe you got one player with no blockers and you can get through i don't know
2: this could be a but, win but con. if you tap
1: out right like bastard is just sitting there <laughs> without one loyalty and you tapped out because you want to attack with everything to make as many soldiers as possible so you have no blockers yeah so it just dies so is three mana make two one ones any good Mm, i I like this later on in the game if you're just a token matters deck you want
2: to attack it's turn seven or eight you have a whole army of little guys but you can't get through for the damage you play basri maybe some sort of pump spell on top attack uses ability and boom you got
1: tons of creatures out but if that's the case then i might as well just play elspeth because it's late enough in the game that i could cast her right and she's just way better yeah she could board wipe she can do a lot more stuff yeah, unless you can use the plus one, plus one counter on a creature and make it indestructible, unless that's somehow, like, useful to you, I don't know how much I like Basri. Yeah, and usually when we look up the cards for these that
2: synergize with them, you can tell their power level based on how, what the cards are that, like, work well. So, like, I was like, and of the foremost. It's a creature that when it attacks, you put some plus one, plus one counters on another trap creature you control. It's like, cool, it's... Plus one, plus one matters, maybe some tokens, but it's not like, wow,
1: these two cards together, woo, it's crazy. It's just like, that might work.
2: Yeah. And like, it's like, okay, maybe a Nigila the Blade Blossom deck where you want to create tons of low tokens that are tapped and attacking. This makes more. So Bowser can, you know, but then it's like, wait, this is non token creature is attacking. So, you know, it's it's hard to find the things that work great with this. Um, my favorite might just be a Mono White Audric deck. Mm. Because you get indestructible on the creature, and then boom, Audric is going to be able to... All your stuff as
1: indestructible. Right. So, that... so you do like that part of it. And also, if you just happen to have a lot of creatures, and you've already got flying and other stuff going on, then yeah. now the tokens matter a little more. Yeah. I, yeah, Audric's, Audric's pretty good home for this. Uh, I thought is okay, even though... Remember, the creatures enter tapped and attacking the yeah. tokens, so they won't trigger a Winota on that first turn. But if any of them survive on the next turn... Then you can get the tree. I don't know. I'm reaching here. I'm stretching.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, we got to reach in general when it comes to mono white and mono red. Uh, the cool thing about Basri and Winoda is that he makes white soldier uh, tokens uh, and Winoda says non-human. So there's yeah. a
1: low, even though the soldiers could be humans, they're actually soldiers first, humans second. They're not humans necessarily. They could be minotaur soldiers. So they're they're just straight up not humans. Yeah. They're just soldiers. So it works
2: soldiers um, uh and assemble the legion you know if you're just playing straight let's make a lot of creatures attacking type thing with their Tajik deck or whatever it might be basri could find the place there
1: all right basri pretty lackluster i'd say yeah uh yeah i mean out i mean when you're comparing it to elspeth <laughs> i mean you're never gonna elspeth's one of the one of the best planeswalkers ever made so yeah but even comparing it to like a mid-tier middle of the line uh Planeswalker. I don't. I can't think of an example off the top of my head. I think it's still lackluster.
2: It's a bit tougher to to put Basjouket in a standard legal set and make him super overpowered because Elspeth like warped the standard format when it hit. Oh yeah,
1: I don't want them to make another Elspeth. I'm just saying like yeah, yeah. That's the power level we're sort of looking at as a threshold for will we play it? And I don't think Basri is just going to see much play. Nope. Sorry, Basri. You are cool though. You seem like a cool dude. All right. The next one is Chandra, Heart of Fire. Three red red for a five loyalty Planeswalker, so five mana for five loyalty. Her plus one is discard your hand, then exile the top three cards of your library until end of turn you may play cards exiled this way. Plus one. Chandra, Heart of Fire, deals two damage to any target. Two plus ones, though. No, No minus one here. That's cool. Negative nine. Search your graveyard and library for any number of red instant and or sorcery cards. Exile them, then shuffle your library. You may cast them this turn. Add six red to your mana pool. Okay, so that's interesting. Now you're
2: si- now you're talking five loyalty. That means doubling season is a potential here to get you up to ten. You immediately minus nine. You're already winning the game at that point. Maybe they're burning playing. Um... <laughs> The problem with this being costing five <laughs> mana is that when you play it, yeah,
1: your hand may be close to empty, but if you discard your hand and eggs on the top cards, do you have mana left at that point? Yeah, you just spent five on Chandra. I don't think you're doing that ever. So you're basically yeah. saying, I'm going to play this five mana Planeswalker. I'm going to shock something. Mm-hmm. She'll go to six. I'm going to hope that shock does anything in a game of Commander once there's five mana. Like, okay, kill an Oracle of Moldai, sure. But it feels like she's immediately going to get attacked and die. Yeah. And then, yeah... I, why can't you discard your hand and then draw three cards because the it's a real downside to like it's not as good. We we often equate this to drawing cards and it is similar but it's not the same. Right. When you exile the top cards of your library and then play them this turn, it's not definitely not as good as drawing the cards, right? Because can't hold up an instant on someone else's turn. What if two of them are lands? You don't you can only play one land. Yeah. What if they're two high CMC spells? You can't cast both of them right there's a whole bunch of downsides to this and i don't think it would have been broken to say discard your hand draw three cards
2: yeah and previous chunks zero or something have done that
1: right yeah and like wheel of fortune shows that red can do this kind of thing so the fact that it's like wheel of impulsive draw so i don't <laughs> know why to nerf it i guess because it's a plus one and, and not a negative or something then some new game show i haven't seen yet
2: <laughs> welcome to wheel of impulsive draw uh the, we're gonna mention this card probably eight times in these next set reviews but the everwise is my favorite uh, commander to sort of have Chandra there because you're going to discard your hand and if it's like three or four cards then booyah, you're going to draw some with Riel. So <laughs> yeah, do you want to read Riel? Because she's kind of new. She is, yes. is going to be around as well. It's one blue and red for a legendary creature human wizard. A zero three, uh, gets plus one plus 0 for each incident sorcery card in your graveyard. And whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards.
1: So, so You can discard your hand, draw that many cards, and then also do the impulsive draw thing. Yeah. So you'll i guess you'll do the impulsive draw then draw that many cards because you have to resolve that ability anyway you get yeah. what i'm saying you just got to keep the cards yeah i would say in a real deck maybe chandra is good enough although the wheel decks aren't they're not having trouble finding that effect so i don't think they need like a bad version of it right yeah and
2: chandra if you just look at her for five mana plus one deal two damage to any target uh, five man's a lot you know and again corset can't push
1: the power level too crazily or can't uh, or can they we're going to get to one where they push the hell out of it. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so they can do it for other colors. But just not... not our good old white and red friends over here. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, uh, doubling season is a thing with Chandra. I think it's less likely you're going to build that deck just because you're going to be in green then. And are you going to build an Instance and Sorcery de- Matters mm-hmm. deck? She can only get the red Instance and Sorceries out of there yeah. too. It's So it's limiting. It's not like you doubling season Chandra ultimate win. There are planeswalkers that do that and if that's what you want to do i don't think Shana fits that bill either so I, it's just another planeswalker we're going to talk about and we'll probably never mention again on the show yeah i doubt i'll really
2: see this as well but this is the sort of thing that this is like kind of the corset mentality it's like i opened it in a booster i'm gonna slot it into some fun deck yeah it'll do some stuff it'll do some stuff and eventually you might find that you'll replace it. I, it planeswalkers already bring such an inherent risk with them and they draw so much attention towards you her going up to six on the first turn you play is a bit tough to deal with, because that's a lot, right? So six is a decent amount. But otherwise, not terribly impressed. Chandra's had a lot of iterations over the years, though,
1: so it's not like I'm terribly, like... Yeah, it's <gasps> not like, oh, no, we can't play a Chandra. There's a bunch that are playable. Yeah. Also... Planeswalkers as a card type. I don't know about you, but they're slightly annoying to play against, so I don't want them to make a bunch of busted Planeswalkers. We get yes. Ugin back here. That's going to be enough to deal with for a little while. I'm okay. Yeah. And there's going to be another one we're going to talk about in a second here, which I think is going to be real. Yeah. A real I, player. I'm glad that these are within the four to
2: six range. I think yeah. power level-wise, that's a great place to put Planeswalkers without just making all of us go, no, why? Which, yeah. again, we'll be doing here in a second.
1: <laughs> all right, let's talk about the green one. It's Garrick or Garruk. Ruk. I'm not sure which is correct. There seems to be some contention in the magic world <laughs> because every time I listen to content, they pronounce it differently. Garrick or Garuk? I don't really care. It's a made-up name, so I'm just gonna say Garrick. I'm sorry. He's for this.
2: unleashed though this time.
1: Yeah, Garrick Unleashed. Two green green for a four loyalty planeswalker. Plus one up to one target creature gets plus three plus three and gains trample until end of turn. Hmm. Kind of like Basri in a way. Yep. Negative three. You create a three three green beast creature token. Then, if an opponent controls more creatures than you, you put a loyalty counter back on Garrick. Oh, so it's a minus one, not a minus two, then. If, if you have less creatures than somebody. Right. Uh, and negative seven, the ultimate, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your end step, you may search your library for a creature card... Put it onto the battlefield, Whoa. then shuffle your library. So every right. end step, you you have an emblem that says every end step, tutor a creature onto, onto. the battlefield. That'll win you the game pretty fast.
2: Yeah, and this again, uh, f- coming at four, this is a doubling season target. It'll go up to eight and you minus seven it. Um, this one is definitely much better than Basri. Yep. Uh, better than Chandra. It makes its own blocker, which is, again, one of the most important things, and it might do it at a discounted cost as
1: well. I'd say there's a good chance if you play it on four right because on your turn four you're not playing a creature right i guess it has it has to be less than though it can't be equal to but green loves to like ramp
2: stuff out so boom you're playing a man and dork on turns one and well. two here comes garrick you have definitely more creatures than everyone else
1: true but then at that point you're like I right, negative two he's at two next turn i'll plus one it, maybe give a trample or yeah or just plus one one of the creatures wait for other players to play more then you negative two so
2: i can see this as a planeswalker that actually sticks around quite annoyingly
1: yeah and just gets you some value and trample is a thing green decks just generally want so oftentimes you're like if i could just get through with this one creature i will i will knock that person out of the game yeah and garrett can do that right it's not the super efficient way to do it but play it give something plus three plus three and trample i mean that's the kind of play that craig will make against you and kill you with <laughs> That's true you think you're fine and then boom craig's like kill kill you and you're kill like you. oh crap you gave it trample i didn't think about that
2: yeah so i think again very much in aggressive decks this is cool uh if you're playing Garrick, cursed huntsman which was the throne of eldraine one you can make these little black green and wolf creature tokens and when they die you put a loyalty counter on each Garrick you control uh,
1: so maybe you can find a way to get them to that negative seven faster because that definitely is a big game winner Garrick tribal play wild speaker that's a good one. There's yeah. a bunch of good garricks. So that's a good that I like that. Yeah, untap a lot of lands, play a bunch of garricks and mm-hmm. it's just garrick.deck. Uh I thought Xenagos God of Revels is pretty good. tends to have uh True less creatures but they're all huge and giving them trample is a thing that you want to do because Xenagos doubles their power but doesn't yeah. give them trample so a lot of times plus three plus three and trample then Xenagos doubles that whatever mm-hmm. they're at now so they're like a 16 16 trample now which is uh, you know tends to be a lot better than a 16 16 with not trample
2: <laughs> okay power ranking wise uh it's in the order that we said garrick is definitely the most powerful of the three we've mentioned so far not going to remain that way though no but more i think more powerful than this next one. Oh, definitely uh Liliana, Waker of the Dead. I almost thought it was Walker of the Dead, and she was like, <laughs> kind of like that
1: character in <laughs> Walking Dead, or or she has a Walker. Has a Walker, like, yeah. It's like
2: old Liliana now.
1: It's two black, black. She's break. a Plains Walker. <laughs> If it, if it just said
2: Liliana Plains waker of the dead i would be i would be so stoked to be like you guys did it we have jumped the shark uh, or i guess jumped the tombstone in her case uh two black black for a four loyalty planeswalker actually that's on theme so far each of the loyalties comes in uh, at the same amount of uh, of the mana cost for the planeswalker oh, so far i didn't notice that uh, except well, for this last one the that, last
1: one that's the yeah anyway, anyway go ahead. yeah uh
2: plus one each player discards a card each opponent who can't loses three life minus three target creature gets minus x minus x until end of turn where x is the number of cards in your graveyard and minus seven you get an emblem with at the beginning of the combat on your turn put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under control it gains haste so any graveyard any battlefield again she comes in at four this is minus seven so this is another doubling season potential
1: she doesn't protect her well, she she can remove a creature depending on if you've done some work up till then. Yeah. But in multiplayer, uh, you got to you got to protect her quite a bit. Yeah, I think you you need to want people to be discarding cards. If your deck has waste not in it, yep. then that's a potential deck that this card might be good in, because you care about the discard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Waste Knot is the enchantment that whenever your opponents discard cards, depending on what the card is, you get an effect, you, like, get zombies, zombies. yeah, you, you, uh, you... Add mana, yeah. draw some cards. So, if, if make everyone angry at you... <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> uh, it is It is each player, right? Yeah. So, also, you're discarding cards, so something like Bone Miser is a card that It's like a fair Liliana of the
2: Veil cuz that's 3 mana to get a one out that makes everyone discard cards.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. This is 4 mana instead. I think it's not be- it's not horrible cuz it will do some stuff and especially if you play it onto a board with, you know, where it's not going to die immediately. Mm-hmm. If you plus it like 3 times in a game, that's g- could be devastating to your opponent. So just losing so many cards and if you- presumably your deck Either is going to play around with his graveyard so doesn't care if it's discarding, or actually actively wants to discard because you're getting positive effects off of it.
2: You know, eh. the minus X, minus X gets around indestructible, gets around a lot of creatures that can't get removed otherwise. So that's that's nice there, too.
1: Yeah. I think it's fine. I, I It's not groundbreaking or anything, but, yeah. you know, it'll uh, probably probably see a little play. I hope I open it in limited. Oh, yeah. It's going to be real good in <laughs> limited. Always, almost always good. It's got limited. removal on it. Yeah. All right, well, this next one is the one. This card's a little bit nuts. Um, might be my pick for best card in the set. It's Teferi, Master of Time. Oh, yeah, just because it introduces, you know, an effect that com- kind of breaks the multiplayer. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, it's just not templated well for multiplayer. It's two blue-blue for a three-mana, or sorry, two blue-blue for a three-loyalty Planeswalker. Mm-hmm. It has uh, a static ability similar to the War of the Spark Planeswalkers. So it says, you may activate loyalty abilities of Teferi, Master of Time, on any player's turn, anytime you could cast an instant. I'm doing that meme where the guy blinks in the surprise. It's like, what? So this means that all of Teferi's abilities can be activated on everybody's turns, provided you have the correct amount of loyalty, including your own. So keep that in mind as we read this. So plus one is draw a card, then discard a card. Loot. So loot. But think of how good that is if nothing else was on the card, right? I play to ferry. I loot on my turn. He goes up to four loyalty. Goes to Jimmy's turn. I loot on Jimmy's turn. He goes what, up you to... Did, you did what? <laughs> You're allowed to do that? I'm allowed to do it. Oh. Goes up to five loyalty. Mel's turn. I loot. Six loyalty. Ashland's turn. I loot. Seven loyalty. Comes back to my turn. Loot. Eight loyalty. Loot. Okay. Negative, but but he has more than just the one ability.
2: Actually, if you just stopped right there, it's, it's a good better card.
1: than all of the Planeswalkers we talked about. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right, negative three. Target creature you don't control phases out. Hmm. Phasing is back. <laughs> I guess to fair protection. protection right, yeah, yeah. Right. So what phasing is, is you treat the card... Um, you treat it and anything attached to it as though they don't exist until its controller's next turn. But it doesn't actually leave the battlefield and come back, so there's no you don't retrigger enter the battlefields or you don't get a leave the battlefield trigger mm-hmm. or whatever. But the card just doesn't exist, so it won't it won't see anything and trigger off of anything. It can't interact with anything. Nothing can target it or whatever. Right? Yeah, it's like a weird form of removal, but it's a it's you know it's an interesting one. And then at Right before their untap step, it comes back in, so it doesn't have summoning sickness, and it untaps. And then there's a negative 10 on Teferi, which is time stretch. Take two extra turns after this one. So it even has the win con on it. Yeah. Like, as you're slowly ticking up on everybody's turn, it's going to get to 10 and two rotations, right? Yeah. Because it's four per rotation, comes in with three, so it's just boom, 11, whatever. And you can even activate it, the extra turns on your opponent's oh, right, turn. right, right because it's a, just a loyalty ability it doesn't say only activate the plus one yeah so, and that's another thing about the phasing thing the phase out thing it's an instant speed removal spell because you, you can, can do act, it at instant speed and because you plus it on your turn it goes to jimmy's turn i have four loyalty it protects itself now because it can't even wait till you attack it yeah and then go okay i'll phase that thing out and save my teferi and then the next turn you plus it up again so it gets a little harder to kill this card is bonkers yeah it really
2: is uh Yeah, well, I mean, just, like, looking at the power level compared to the other Planeswalkers, I don't even think you could put, like, two of these Planeswalkers together on a single (laughs) card and get close to what Teferi's doing here. He's breaking the rules of Planeswalkers by doing the thing that I was like, wait, why can't you do this at instant speed when I first saw a Planeswalker? And here we are. So...
1: And the fact that it scales with... So if you're playing with six players, you suddenly would have... Oh, gosh. ...additional two times... Like, I don't don't love that. I mean, listen, I love me a Seaborn Muse, Mm -hmm. but... I don't want every car. I don't want a lot of that effect because it's just a lot of things happening during other play people's turns that tends to like drag out the game. And I think this is the same thing. And especially since, well, I've got two different options of what I can do. So during other people's turn, I kind of got to think a little bit, yeah, it's very powerful, though. Let's talk about some of the cards that kind of go along with it.
2: Uh, the big one that everyone's talking about is Oath of Teferi. Basically, if it says Teferi and it, it, probably works well with them. <laughs>
1: uh, it's three
2: blue and the white for a legendary enchantment. When Oath of Teferi enters the battlefield, exile another target permanent. You control, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Oh, no, you don't want to do this to your planeswalkers because then they're not going to be able to use it the turn that they come down. Except. Uh-huh. Uh, so next end step means you can again. Like, you. let's say you play Teferi. And you uh, minus or you plus one it, go there and you play this or whatever, exiles it, comes back. You can use it and then it goes to the next turn, and you can use it again. Yep. Uh, but the more important one is that you may activate the loyalty ability of the planes who are used to control
1: twice each turn rather than only once. Used to be whatever, now it's insane. Yeah, because twice on my turn, twice on your turn, twice on Mel's turn, take two extra turns, right? Like it's yeah. kind of like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't really have much else to say other than, yeah, that's a card and this is a combo and this is just nuts. Yep. Um, well, it's a fairy. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing Nicol Bolas Dragon God, now he has looting abilities as well as the phasing abilities. Uh, and the ability to activate on other players' turns, right? Uh, no. No, it's unfortunately, only activated Only activated ability, so, abilities, uh, yeah. But Nicol Bolas is, I mean, I, it, Love's a good friend here. Um, a lot of people said that Peer, Imaginative Rascal, is uh, quite uh, oh. powerful with this card. Because it gets the extra... A little yeah. two counter. It says with one or more counters we put on the permanent your team controls. That many plus one of each of those kinds of counters are put in that permanent instead. So now it's Teferi on three, plus one is actually plus two. So we go to five. Next turn seven, nine, eleven on your turn take two, take extra two extra turns, turns
1: yeah. and have level to ability left over yeah and Pierre curves into uh teferi because it's a three mana card as well if you ever get Pierre and oath of teferi out is that just infinite right there uh let see well you it's go for four yeah so you get four, plus two plus
2: two i mean you just can control the whole table with a single planeswalker which i think is pretty nuts yeah because you can threaten the minus three at any time and we'll talk a little bit about that in a second um reality otherwise, the again makes an appearance here you're putting stuff in the graveyard yeah you're looting you're looting yeah um so just
1: draw two cards every uh everybody's turn that's pretty that's geez, good Jeez. yeah
2: scarab god because you want to put stuff into the graveyard as well um, yeah we'll the,
1: it. yeah anything that is playing around with its graveyard to very just gonna be good because the looting's good turns out there are madness cards as well in blue oh. that i didn't realize
2: which gets better when you can madness at instant speed with oh. Teferi. the oh Circular Logic, you can cast it for a blue to counter target spell unless it's controlled. It pays one for each card in your graveyard.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> brutal.
2: And then I never knew this card existed, but Obsessive Search, it's a blue for an instant They can Madness for blue just to draw a card. So, you know, just a little extra value from your Teferi. Yeah,
1: you put Madness card, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, this card's ridiculous. I wanted to talk about the phase-out portion of it because I actually think that's quite powerful. Yeah. Because decks are not equipped to handle that kind of removal, right? So, Indestructible... Don't care. Phase the thing out. Think of all the really powerful commanders that this stops in its tracks. The Timna decks. Najila decks, The Gitrog decks. Because you can actually, before combat, phase the thing out. Gitrog. In response, you know a lot of Gitrog decks, what they do, they go to the discard phase. They have eight cards. They go, I got to discard. I'll discard a land. That draws me a card. I'll discard a land. That draws me a card. I still have eight. I got to do that again. I'll do that a million times. Blah, 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 blah. In response to the triggers, you can be like, okay, phase Gitrog out. Let's not do that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So there's just so many ways that this card interacts strongly and gives you the flexibility and the options to take advantage of whatever the situation affords you because, you you know, nobody plays a creature early. Well, I'm just going to plus, plus, plus. Oh, somebody can threaten it. Okay, I'm going to phase it out. Yeah. I also think there's a political aspect to it too, right? Let's say somebody is playing that Timna. I would be like, hey, I can keep that Timna under control because I can just loot, loot, loot. Phase it out. Loot, loot, loot. Phase Phase it out. out. So you guys just don't hit my Planeswalker, and I'll keep the Timn under control. You know? But meanwhile, you're just looting three... Looting is so good! Jimmy, we said, if this card just said four mana, loot four times, it would be pretty good. Yeah. And this is even better because looting gets better when it's spread out like this. Because I loot on my turn, and looting... Oh, yeah, you're right. And looting is like, oh... Uh, I'm going to look at my cards. What's the board look like? I don't need this card right now. Then I get more information on your turn, so I loot again and go, yeah. well, oh, this card I thought I would need. I don't actually, so I'll pitch that. And so spreading it out over time actually makes the looting more effective than if you just looted four times all at once. Yeah. This, I, You're in
2: colors that care about your graveyard. You have decks that love graveyard stuff like Moldrotha, You
1: are able to stop other things in their path. It's a master of time. It's four mana i think this thing could have been six mana and still been very good yeah absolutely absolutely without a doubt the fact that it comes out as early as turn two you know that's soaring
2: yeah, yeah soaring boom turn two to fairy who's gonna have creatures that really can attack this at that point
1: if you play a turn two to fairy presumably no one can attack it right so you're just at seven loyalty yeah everyone's playing mana rocks or doing whatever else and if you could just play a blocker you're probably going to get to 11. 11 loyalty, and then you yeah. just take two turns on turn five. like that's probably going to be enough to win you the game, because it'll still have one loyalty left over when you do that, right. Yeah, and you get two more turns to jump it back up, and then at that point you can get your peers
2: out. You're, you can do what you can do so much. This card, again, we're probably just hammering on it way too hard
1: now, but it is nuts. It really is nuts.: uh, I think it's a staple blue card now. Um, not on the level of Cyclonic Rift, but I think you could put this in any deck with blue and with no synergies going on, It's not; it'll be a good card in your deck. Yeah. In the way that Cyclonic Rift is. Now, you, obviously it's going to get better with synergies, but I think this is a card that's powerful enough, it's Smothering Tithe, powerful, where you don't have to like think, what else is my deck doing? You just go, do I own this card? Is this deck blue? You could play this card. I'm not saying you always have to, but you could definitely just play it. And it's and it just going to be good. Yeah. And it probably will be better than most other cards you could put in. I
2: mean, how many mono blue cards have the ability to either, say, loot four times a turn cycle or loot twice and phase out a
1: problematic creature? Yeah. Loot loot, and remove something. Loot a couple times and remove something. Also, it gains you life if they attack it, which they'll probably have to do to get rid of it. Yeah. This is definitely one of those remove-on-site cards as well
2: because the advantage you accrue from it is just so massive. Even if it's just four mana loot twice, that's not the worst rate in the world. You wouldn't be unhappy, and then people are expending resources to try and get rid of it constantly. So there's a lot of value here. to fairy master of time. It's masterful. It's
1: nuts. Get used to it. I think we're going to see it a lot. Yeah. It's just going to be one of those cards that people will play in blue decks now, and it's going to be a, a smothering tithe level. You just get used to seeing it. You're not going to have to read this card. You're going to know what it does after Time to pack some more Planeswalker removal, I suppose. Maybe. Maybe we just got to play more lower drops so we can swing at stuff. I mean, we already are, but
2: (laughs) sometimes your decks need to just play two mana rocks because if you're mono red, you don't really have the liberty
1: of being like, I'm going to play all my Birds of Paradise. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) All right. Uh, we are going to get in a couple of colors here. The, the cards from green, the cards from white. There's actually quite a few. But before we continue with the set review, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small.
1: Hey, I'm Nolan Sykes, a host of Past Gas, the number one automotive podcast in the world. Every week, my co-hosts, James Pumphrey, Joe Weber, and I bring you some of our favorite stories from the hallowed halls of car history. From the amazing to the weird to the utterly unforgettable moments, we cover it all. Join us as we take a look at the wild stories and larger-than-life characters behind legendary cars and car makers. So if you love cars or just like a good story, check out Past Gas by Donut Media, the number one automotive podcast in the world. Do you follow automotive news or do you just like cars and want to see what the heck's going on? Well, then you might like Donut Media's new podcast, The Big Three. Hi, I'm James Pumphrey. And every week, me and my co-host slash two of my top five friends, Nolan Sykes and Joe Weber, unpack the latest and greatest in automotive news and trends on the big three you'll also get a lot of laughs hot takes and personal insight on cars from the biggest car guys in automotive media so whether you're a hardcore enthusiast or just a person who goes up that's a good looking car (laughs) check out the big three available wherever you get your podcast or you can watch the full videos at donut podcasts on youtube
2: all right friends we are back and prepare to not see any cards that are on the power level
1: of the card we just talked about for the rest of the episode maybe there's some good
2: ones though there are some good ones actually and there might
1: not be another card as powerful as to for the rest of this set review and maybe the next couple sets so that's a powerful card maybe the next couple i mean we haven't seen a planeswalker this powerful for what's the last planeswalker that matched up to Teferi. Ugin. Ugin. elspeth it's on that level
2: yeah Ugin, and that came out years ago at yeah. this
1: point I mean, I think Ugin and Elspeth are probably the top two Planeswalkers in the format. Yeah. And I'd put Teferi, like, with them. Pretty close. We haven't seen him play yet, so hopefully maybe maybe there's something we're not thinking of i feel like i've played enough commander and talked about enough to know just how problematic this thing could be (laughs) all right let's move on to the green cards in the set here we've got uh, a number of them to talk about this first one's pretty cool
2: yeah it's a beast it's three green green for a six six and i meant beast as in it's beastly it also is a beast it's the elder gargaroth it has vigilance reach and trample and whenever elder gargaroth attacks or blocks choose one Create a 3-3 green beast creature token. You gain three life. Draw a card.
1: Wow. There is a lot of text on that card. It's doing a lot of things. Yeah, so it's got Vigilance
2: so and Reach and Trample. So this is just one of the best blockers and attackers you can put on the battlefield. Five mana for a 6-6 six, six already. It's 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 on a good rate. And then you can either make more tokens, draw cards, and occasionally gain life, which like, we've seen can be really relevant. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, you're putting up a blocker. It's really hard to attack you now, because when it blocks, you're also going to gain more life or make more tokens or draw a card. Bah.
1: Yeah. It's actually th- it, like you get your money's worth for this card now. There is some downsides. Obviously, it's a five-mana creature that doesn't enter the battlefield and do anything. Right, so if they it doesn't remo- have haste either. Yeah, so if they remove it right away, you get nothing for it. I think that aspect is overblown. I think, you know, as we learned from our stats episode recently, I don't think people are removing creatures as often as we think they are. They're only removing the ones that say, if you don't, you're going to lose. Or it's your commander or something, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, creatures do kind of stick around longer. We know that attacks happen more often than we thought. I think the Gargaroth is actually pretty good. And if it swings a couple of times, like... It's pretty good value. If it blocks a couple of times. Well, let's say it's a creature that swings, draws you a couple cards or makes a token and draws a card, but also has the other upside of they didn't attack you during that time because they didn't want you to get this upside. Like, that's worth something. There's a, a quite a bit of value in three other players just don't come at you because I don't want them to draw the card. I don't want them to, to make a token. Yeah, and you're just
2: gaining life by not being attacked. Yep. So uh, I think this card's really powerful. Um, I think a Ryami, first of the Fallen deck, is going to love this because mm-hmm. look at all of the keywords on this thing. It's keyword soup kathril uh, too
1: because that's also a keyword ability counters right, right, deck. right yep
2: um let's hit up proggy boog because you could throw this into the pile for the Mael, the anima deck oh yeah who allows you cool. to look at the top five cards you're decking you put the creature with power five or greater with among them from on the battlefield so utter gargaroth can come out at instant speed now pretty scary yep um i like tristani Selesnia's voice because one gaining a bunch of life but two whenever another creature enters the battlefield you gain life equal to that creature's toughness elder gargroth can now do a great job of gaining life a three three life by the way it can kind of like activate two of its abilities whenever it attacks or blocks and you gain the three life because of tristani and you can also draw a card and then you can populate with tristani as well to make even more real low green beast creature tokens
1: that's pretty cool yeah it's it's a lot there it uh it synergizes with a few different aspects of it. I like that. Yeah. Miri, um, Weatherlight, Duelist. Again,
2: Like as long as Miri is tapped, no more than one creature can attack you each combat. You just put up the best blocker of all time. Ugh. And if you attack with Miri and the outer Gargaroth, they can't block with more than
1: one creature this combat, so the Gargaroth is very likely to not die. You'll definitely have one player that you can attack freely like not everyone's gonna have a seven seven right yeah. so yeah
2: and the vigilance on this is probably the best aspect of it because you can attack and hold it back to block so i, I like this card quite a bit it's it's powerful
1: has trample Xenagos makes ah. it another very make it into a 12 12 yeah again you're gonna get the trigger that's pretty cool uh i also hear me out here listening oh, okay so <laughs> cards we never talk about vidalcon what's that do Leyline of Anticipation, ah. uh, Alchemist Refuge, Catching Your Drift, Yeva, Nature's Herald, Winding Canyon, these are all ways to get Elder Gargaroth out at instant speed because don't overlook the fact that when it blocks, right, you get the trigger. So here's a way to flash it out, block, get your card draw, eat something probably, <laughs> and then attack with it on your turn as though it kind of had haste. So if you're playing those that suite of cards, not maybe not all of them, but a certain amount mm-hmm. amount of them, in your deck, then I, I would consider all the Groggeroth for it because the surprise factor, get the value, get the value again on the attack, just seems very high.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> this card seems like one of those things that generates so much value, however, isn't an instant remove, you're probably going to get a trigger off it at least once, and it has upside if you can cast it at instant speed. It just seems like one of those very evergreen, very good cards um, and supports a lot of different you know, things with the token generation and just having card draw on a creature that is going to, again, six damage not to be, you know, understated. That's a, that's a lot.
1: Uh, extra attack steps, too, could work good oh, with yeah. Elder Gargoth because you may as well get the trigger more than once. I don't think this is a goes in CEDH dex level card, right? Because no, no. <clears throat> you may or may not be able to attack, but it's nice in the, you know, five to seven range decks as I think this is going to be a card that you're happy with. It's going to, yeah. you know, after it dies or the game's over or whatever you're gonna be like man that elder gargaroth it did a lot did a lot of work yeah good job elder gargaroth as good we would expect job. an elder
2: uh the next up is our first cat that we're going to talk about feline sovereign this is the flavor on this is actually hilarious it's two in a green for a two three creature cat other cats you control get plus one plus one and have protection from dogs and whenever one or more cats you control deals combat damage to a player destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment that player controls it's like a cat swiping something off the desk yeah it's <laughs> like it was
1: at, left at home and yeah. it's like breaking something <laughs> on accident
2: there's a cup that's like overturned in the art which i think is hilarious <laughs> uh so this is like the trigon predator but for cats mm-hmm. and the cat this feline servant itself does not need to attack for the it trigger it's whatever one or more cats you control deal combat damage so that's kind of cool
1: but only destroy one thing so if you hit with three cats yes you only get you one only day. get one artifact yeah yeah uh Rin and sari the new commander that's the buy a box promo that cares about cats and dogs obviously i think this is a shoe-in for that definitely deck. put it into that deck for sure um giving this creature double strike is actually pretty cool here too yeah so if you can give the feline sovereign or any of your cats while it's out double strike it will destroy two um artifacts because it's each time it's whenever one or more cats deal combat damage so it deals combat damage on first strike damage yeah. Wah, trigger Destroy an artifact, that it deals regular damage, trigger destroying artifact. This is one of those cards when you play it, everyone goes, Oh no, my, I have to block it. Yeah, they're I like looking at
2: their board. Oh crap, it.
1: I don't want to lose my, yeah.
2: Yeah, actually, this next card does work in the Rin and Seri deck. Chandra's oh. Ignition, three red, red, target creature control deals damage equal to its power to each other creature and opponent. However, cats have protections from dogs, so you could cast this on a dog. And, oh. and ignite the world and all your cats are like huh we're good oh gotcha i thought you were thinking of it as a <laughs> as a deal of damage yeah yeah, because it says combat damage but yeah but okay. the protection from dogs is interesting <clears throat> so that that's cute good job feline sovereign um, <laughs> good job i think this is a definitely a card that you want to play in any of the tribal decks if you have a changeling decks this definitely is pretty neat too um just as like
1: another effect to do this type of thing yeah cat tribal all right uh the next one is garrick's harbinger one green green for a four three beast has hexproof from black, not protection. Hexproof from black, so it can't be targeted by your black opponent's black spells. spells. Yeah, yeah. It says whenever Garrick's Harbinger deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, look at that many cards from the top of your library. You may reveal a creature card or Garrick planeswalker card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So this conditionally will draw you a card. Uh, Garrick's Harbinger is a four three, so if it's not blocked, you'll look at the top four cards of your library and usually put a creature from among them into your hand. Unless you're doing Garrick Tribal like we talked about earlier. Even then, what do you got, like five Garricks in your whole deck? Yeah, but you know. That'd be a lot, actually. You probably have three. Right. <laughs> Give this
2: thing some double strike, pump up its power. Oh, yeah, double strike. The only thing it doesn't have is trample, and hexproof from black is not protection, so you can still get blocked by black creatures. Yep. So I think this is a
1: pretty mid-tier card, but again, if you're playing that Garrick Tribal, it seems pretty sweet there. I mean, it's a three-mana 4-3. That's yeah. nothing to scoff at. Has some protection in eight. It's probably going to be able to swing on turn four, and probably somebody's going to have to take it. So a three-mana draws you a card... It's not that bad. What about a 5-6-6 six, six that does the same thing? Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, 5 and 3 is a lot different, though. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you have to have a high creature density. I think you have to have 30-plus creatures in your deck to really want this, because yeah. if it's all of a sudden drawing you only a half a card or two-thirds of a card, it gets quite a bit worse. Yeah, blanking on this really feels bad. Um,
2: and in general, like you're right, you should be able to swing with this in turn 4 people i think don't like to trade off creatures especially because for the most part we're playing creatures with value that we want to stick around for whatever reason so
1: this can get past a lot of board states unless they have just a bunch of chump blockers around yeah but usually not the case i think you're going to get a couple of swings which is a couple of cards i think it's got some value yeah i mean yeah we play timna to draw cards obviously can draw a lot more than just one card but yeah still all right, more Garrick time. It's
2: Garrick's Uprising. Two in the green for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, if you control a creature with power four or greater, draw a card. Creatures you control have trample. And whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. So, there's a lot of drawing cards here. Um, cares about power for greater creatures. They're, I mean, I think like power for a greater dot deck is definitely something, especially. They've green. been pushing lately, the last few yeah. years. Yeah, there's like a bunch of bears that come in at this four twos, right? And they basically all turn into cantrips at this point. Um, and so, a very creature based deck. If you're playing a Goreclaw Terror of Calcisma deck, and mm-hmm. you love creatures with power
1: 4 or greater because it costs less to cast. Uh, Josh, your Titania Protector of Argoth deck seems like it's pretty good here, too. Yeah, it makes 5-3 tokens, and this doesn't say non-tokens, so if you can make right. big tokens, you will draw cards off all of them.
2: Yeah. And, and, and you want the trample, too. Yes, definitely. Um, this, good, this works in the Gargos Vicious Watcher deck if you're playing a bunch of hydras. Now they cost a lot cheaper, and they're all fighting creatures as well. Gear Red. Uh, oh, yeah, makes the 4-4 four four Rhinos. Yep. So I think there's a lot of ways for uh, green and red to do this. The Omnaths work as well because they're making five fives. Mm-hmm. And with Landfall, there's ways to trigger this multiple times a turn. Garrick's Uprising just seems like a very uh, high-value awesome. card. Yeah. Super
1: high-value. Uh, the Trample, too. I, I would say like this draws a card when you play it. Mm-hmm. right, as long as you have a creature power four or greater, which presumably you will when you play this card, yeah, and that's the time like that like, that's an effect that green decks want. they want to give their creatures trample. How many times have you been playing and you're just like, uh, they can block three of these, and that makes my attack not that great, even if I kill the three things mm-hmm. because I can't get through and kill them, whereas if I just had some form of evasion, which trample is, I can maybe finish them off so but you don't often want a card that that's all it does because it's just not enough value. The fact that it replaces itself kind of, and then eventually maybe does more than that, I think Mm -hmm. is really good. Um, This next card that we've got on the list, I think is really good with it. Uh, it's Azuri's oh. Predation. Azuri's Predation, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because Azuri's oh, Predation, no! yeah. Oh so many cards. <laughs> yeah, because for every creature your opponents control, you create a 4-4, and then each of those 4-4s fights one of the creatures your opponents controls. So you just play Azuri's Predation, and if there's seven creatures that your opponents have, you draw seven cards right there. And then you probably kill some of their creatures, maybe not all. Yeah. And then you keep whatever 4-4s were left alive after that. Like And they all have trample. Yeah. Rough. Azuri's Predation I've found to be quite good.
2: Yeah, it it, it requires a board state and a meta that has more creatures. But even if you're only getting five, four off of it, right, that's four times four. That's 16 power on the battlefield, eight mana. And now you're
1: drawing five cards or something on top of it. So you're probably
2: killing most everything on the battlefield as you're you're doing it. Yeah. Um, Teamer Ascendancy works really well with this as well because it gives your creatures haste, and so now you can play a creature with power four or greater. And Teamer Ascendancy lets you draw a card. You're going to draw another one from Garrick's Uprising.
1: They have haste and trample. This was the card I thought is the most similar to Garrick's Uprising, and yeah. I, I, I thought like comparing them was interesting. So Teamer Ascendancy is Teamer, as you would as you would guess. It's <laughs> green, blue, and red. Three mana for an enchantment. It says creatures you control have haste, but it says whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. Hmm. So this obviously goes only in specific colors of deck, whereas Garrick's Uprising can go in any deck with green, So, mm-hmm. but Trample versus Haste also draws a card when it comes in where Team or ascendancy does not. I yeah. think this is in a lot of ways better than Team or ascendancy Obviously, the Haste is kind of on a different axis, so you may value that higher depending on the deck, but Garrick's Uprising is... I think maybe a little bit better in, in more decks than Temur Ascendancy is. Ascendancy can sometimes be hard to cast as well. And yep. if you are
2: playing red, you do have access to haste enablers in general. Otherwise, you don't have as many in green. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I, they're very similar. Um, play them both. Why not? Go nuts. Play them both. Why not? Why not? All right. Let's talk about um, the next card, which is Lanoir Visionary. hmm This is a Lanwar Elves and an uh, Elvish Visionary staple together. It's two and a green. For a 2-2, Elf Druid. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. That's the visionary part. And you can tap it to add green to your mana pool. That's the Llanowar Elves part. Yeah, cool. And this is what it would exactly cost, because Llanowar Elves is one green and the other one... Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Uh, This card just seems like a very generically good card for a lot of decks. I think if you open this and you want to put it into a green deck, you are more than happy to for the most part. Um, It's not like amazing, amazing, but there are a lot of different places where I think it works. Uh, people have been talking about Yisan the Wanderer Bard because you can pay two in green to tap Yisan to put a verse counter on Yisan. Then you search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to the number of verse counters. So people are trying to build chains of value like of creatures Art, kinda, yeah. that go up the chain. And Land War Visionary now being a three-mana spell allows you to put another card into that three-mana slot. Mm-hmm um i think animar soul of elements pretty fun with this one um generally on the turns you win with animar it's like kind of you want the zenikar resurgent type effect where you're going drawing a card every time you cast a creature and War visionary can come down for one green draw you a card and potentially add more mana if you have haste enablers and if you get it out early you might want the mana ramp from it yeah totally um you could definitely go a little crazy team or Sabretooth likes cards like this as well again just more value in those types of decks uh kyle hill could you put this in salvalla is this good enough for cdh my mind says probably not for cdh uh, yeah
1: i don't think you want that in the salvalla deck just because it also costs three mana and it doesn't do what your deck wants to do yeah yeah um marwin now this one i, I could see it working
2: yeah because this is elf tribal it's a one one two and a green elf that whenever another elf enters the battlefield under your control you put a plus one plus one counter on marwin then you can tap to add in the amount of green equal to marwin's power Tons of cards in the elf decks to untap your tappers. You can tad bunches of mana. Go nuts with all that sort of
1: synergy. I think this is good in my rune deck because uh, where it sits on the curve is pretty nice. Mm. So it's three mana, which means on the next turn you play your land, you can cast rune with it. That's five. And then you can blink it with rune to draw the cards after that. So it kind of does everything you want to do. I think... You know, this card is probably not quite as good as some people think it is because generally you want your mana dorks to be one or two mana, one if preferable. One's a lot better than two, and three is generally too much for something that taps for mana, even with the added value of draw a card. Um, but, yeah. but I think with the right synergies, definitely this card is playable, but I don't think it's like putting in every green deck. A lot of times you're going to be better off just playing the Landwar elves and three mana is a very crowded slot. Yeah. I think it's probably the most crowded slot in, in EDH decks. Just probably. There's so many cards in that slot. Yeah, I would guess and it'd be interesting to hear people go check it out if you have your decks up on Architect or Tapped Out or whatever you've mm-hmm. got. If you just went down your decks and looked at the curve, I bet that like almost all of them, the three mana slot would be the largest part of the deck. That that's my guess. Yeah,
2: even in limited the decks, it th- tends to be that way.
1: Yeah. All right, let's go on to the next card here. It is primal might it's green and X for a sorcery target creature you control gets plus X plus X until end of turn then it fights up to one target creature you don't control alright so
2: X tribal X gonna give it to you uh, <laughs> Zexara the exemplary is sort of the uh, the 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 Sultai commander that you tap to add two mana of any one color however when you cast a spell with X in its mana cost you create a zero zero green hydro token to put X plus one plus one counters on it Primal Might, by the way, just
1: for green is a fight spell. That's what I was gonna say. I think that's an underrated usage because you're in green. Right. You just have a larger creature than any than whatever you want to kill. You don't have to make X equal to anything. You can just be green, kill that thing. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm down and, for this. And obviously, <laughs> if it's smaller, you can just be like, okay, I, I, X is equal to two, and then I get a, enough to kill it, but I don't, you don't have to do that if you don't have to. Yeah. Um, I Of course, Undown
2: Flourishing is a card that I'm always kind of looking to find cards that fit with it. Primal Might, because it's an instant or sorcery, you can activate it twice because you get to copy that spell or ability because it contains X in it, and you can choose new targets, so Primal Might becomes like a double removal spell in that deck now. That's cool. Um, I like Gerard Golgari Lichlord a lot here because... <laughs> you can sack another creature and each opponent loses life equal to the sacrificed creature's power so if you primal something to be massive and then sack it with your rod you could you might just kill everyone that's pretty cool yeah especially i mean this has galta on the card and galta is a oh if you primal might galta yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make him huge sack him everyone loses 20 life or oh yeah something it's that. ghost galta it's ghost yeah it's a shaman channeling
1: galta wow flavor text is pretty sweet on that one uh Xenagos, we've been mentioning a lot it's good with a lot of green cards sort of stompy cards and this yeah. is like a put all your mana into you know let's say you have elder gargaroth and you you know give it x is equal to eight so it's a 14 14 kills the blocker attacks for 28 <laughs> draws your card with haste and vigilance yeah. you know why not <laughs> all right the last green card I, I actually i think it's your turn to read it
2: spore weaver two in a green for a one four creature spider reach and hexproof from blue Whenever Sporeweb Weaver is dealt damage, you gain one life and you create a 1-1 one, one green sapperling creature token. Ah. Huh.
1: So I think, yeah, you want decks that are able to deal damage to their own stuff, right? You're not going to play this card hoping that your opponents will choose to deal damage to right. it because... Newsflash, they're not going to do that. (laughs) They're going to be like, oh, you got that thing? I'm going to attack somebody else or do something else. Yeah. Or I'm going to attack with something that, sure, you can create a 1-1, but it's going to kill the Spiral beaver. Yeah, it's just a 1-4. I'm going to attack with my Elder Gargaroth. What are you going to do? Uh, Uh, Not block. (laughs) Not block, yeah. Yeah, so if you've got Pestilence, Pyrohemia Mm -hmm. in your deck, uh, and you have green, you could think about it because those are great engines of, like, you know, ping everything for one, make a one-one. Obviously, if you do it again, you're going to kill the one-one that you made. So You, you actually gain the life back too, yes. which is interesting. Yeah, so you stay even on life. So you even might be able to combine that with like a Phyrexian altar or something, mm-hmm. right? So you're like, actually, we oh, yeah, actually, actually, just combo. put together the combo, right? We did it. Phyrexian altar, Spore Web Weaver, and either Pyrohemia and Pestilence, Pestilence. will win the game because you Pestilence for one, that hits the Spore Web Weaver and ev- and everybody for one, but you gain the life back and you make a... Uh, a, sp- a Saperling token. You sac it to Phyrexian altar to make the black mana to activate Pestilence again, and now you're in an infinite loop. Wow, we comboed out on the show. Cool. There yeah. you go. We're going infinite, so this episode will never end now. <laughs> um oh, I just realized the Pestilence thing doesn't work. What? where Weaver will die.
2: <laughs> oh, it's a, yeah, you're right. You have to give it an indestructible. Okay, it's a
1: three-card
2: combo now.
1: Or you could do it for three, three times on your turn, three on your t- the next turn, three okay. on the next turn, because damage wears off. Okay, anyway, back to... <laughs> someone's already commenting and
2: they're like slowly deleting it now i couldn't type fast enough (laughs) it's okay there's still gonna be some comments
1: i gotta turn off my caps lock (laughs) (laughs) i I gotta unthumbs it down now the video jeez. um you you wrote down the pingers deck the tim deck yeah which definitely because you can ping your own stuff so just saying like oh you know i'm just gonna hold everything up and then on the end step before my turn i didn't really have to kill anything or anything i'm just gonna use my two Tims and make two one-one one, one Pretty Interim good. Life. Yep. Pretty good value. I, I put Enrage decks. Oh, here. right.
2: That's sort of the dinosaur mechanic. When you deal damage to something, it enrages and it triggers an effect. Right. So. Are there any Enrage decks? You know, I tried to build a couple and it wasn't great. And sometimes you're just putting in these random cards to trigger Enrage, but they're not that great either. Yeah. Maybe you can sort of build one
1: that's all about pinging and Enrage, you know, sort of putting all of these themes together. I could see that working. So when we do these set reviews, often we're like, You know, we're looking at all the cards and we put these cards down and which ones are we going to talk about? And it gets fun because you're like, oh, this card will work with that one. And then you want to kind of bring yourself back down to reality here because, you know, when you're forced to think of interactions with a card, you often come up with cool stuff. And then I was like, yeah, this card's a lot like Hornet Nest and nobody plays Hornet Nest. So sad. So it's like, oh, I got really excited about this card. And then I think, uh, maybe it's not so great. Yeah. So Hornet Nest uh, is one in a green for two in a green. Sorry, two in a green for an O two, right? Yeah. And then whenever it's dealt damage, you create that many one one green insect insect creature tokens with flying and death touch. Hmm. So it makes way better tokens than the Spore we- Spore Web Weaver does. And like I said, nobody plays Hornet Nest really. So. It's cool interactions, and I hope everybody out there is excited, but the reality of the situation is I don't think anyone's really going to use this card.
2: No, but, you know, maybe we're still looking for that Pinger Enrage deck in probably Naya colors. You're probably doing it like in a Zakama-type deck, maybe, because you can, I don't know, who knows. You know what? Just have fun. That's true. As as
1: they give us more pieces, eventually you hit the tipping point where that kind of deck becomes viable. Maybe Spore World Weaver doesn't push us over the edge, but it gets us a little closer, so maybe in a couple years or something, that deck becomes something that you could, you know... Yeah. You could viably do.
2: Okay. Um, we've been doing this new thing now when we do these set reviews. We talk about how did the color fare? So we're going to ask ourselves here, looking at all of the green cards, and we're not... Uh, of course, we can't forget Garrick Unleashed as well as the green shrine here. And let's not forget Jorale. Jorale, right. Yeah. The card that I played as my commander in the M21 game nights. So I am gonna probably say this for all of the colors but i think in a core set it's all about like going back to the roots of what the colors are there are very few multicolored cards in these sets i think green is very much representing what it likes to do the most with a little bit of variation here with the feline sovereign and uh, the sanctum i guess because the shrines are a, a new addition to this current meta
1: I mean, I like they didn't create any new cards that like cheat lands into play, or, mm-hmm. or really. We've got Rada obviously with the cares about lands, but I like that they didn't do that. We've got plenty of that. Stop doing that, please. <laughs> um, and sort of leaned back towards you know big creatures and things like that. Garrick is one of the better planeswalkers, probably the second best one. Jorel's pretty cool. Yeah. So I think Green did you know. Pretty good, you know, somewhere around a B or something. A B range, yeah. Uh, It didn't
2: obviously have a Teferi Master of Time, but it's doing the things that green does best and giving you a couple of other options to do
1: it, which is honestly all I would want from a core set. And, And specifically for green, I don't want them to do well. I'd be happy if green got Ds for the next couple of sets. Again, they're just feel like they've been pulling away from the rest of the pack for a little while here. Yeah. So the fact that they don't have anything super, super powerful, totally fine with yeah. you know, they've got some niche pieces and some stuff you can use, but it's there's nothing amazing, which I think is fine.
2: I think Elder Gargaroth probably my favorite green card followed by Garrick's Uprising. Yeah. 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 It's always cool to see as well when an uncommon makes it into the set reviews because normally the uncommons, especially in core sets, are a bit more underpowered and they're not as flashy. So, good job, Green. Nothing too crazy, nothing too overpowered. We appreciate it and uh, we thank you for your service.
1: (laughs) Okay. Let's go on to White.
2: All right. White has some interesting cards here um, and spoiler alert this one is i think a great card for budget players and for people just having an extra version of this and again if white's playing into things it does best maybe it's about exiling creatures so angelic ascension is one in the White for an instant exile target creature or planeswalker its controller creates a 4 4 white angel creature token with flying at an instant speed, two mana, sort of a path to exile uh, version. Costs a little bit more, but instead of them getting a land, they get a 4 4 white angel creature token. And
1: it hits planeswalkers. Yeah, that's I actually pretty cool. Pretty big, right? Because is there another card White has that they do uh, permanence or non land permanence, like yeah. oblation and things like that? But I don't think they have an exile planeswalker yeah so that's pretty sweet we've already talked about one planeswalker that must get exiled as well the moment it gets hits the board yeah hit that teferi as soon as possible
2: i think we're gonna see a lot of this card actually Um, i think it's quite good yeah because again you can target yourself i was thinking about the planeswalkers from dominaria that or it was the dominaria war of the spark that would like go down to one loyalty and then they don't really do anything anymore targeting your own planeswalker or let's say you play a planeswalker and everyone's swinging out it you know it's going to be gone anyway angelic ascension your own thing make a four four
1: yeah get a little bit of value out of that or something that's getting removed anyway yeah exactly you just go so, boom i'd rather have a four four i think most of the time you are going to use this on your opponent's stuff i had yeah. a question here so path to exile mm-hmm. it exiles target creature for one white mana and then that creature's controller puts a basic land into play what's better what do you think is ah if if you're let's say i gave you the choice you can get a land into play or a 4-4 flying angel. What do you think you're doing most of the time? Mm,
2: the problem with the 4-4 is it's a token. It's easily removed by a lot of different things. However, you're most likely going to just swing at the person that removed the thing with the 4-4. So it's kind of like singularly focused unless they have a lot of blockers. 4-4, as I found, flyers almost always have a person to swing at like
1: yeah you guaranteed. can always get through yeah. guaranteed
2: almost um, i think i'm taking the land every time though i think i am taking the land almost too, every time um, just because the ramp is especially if you're in colors that's that's needing for it like there have been times where something gets pathed, and i'm like sweet okay yeah i lost a creature but i'm
1: actually hitting more land drops as a result and that's great especially if it's early like if it's turn four or five you're like that's going to give me five or six mana right for this right, game right yeah so i think this might actually be like this is pretty good. Then, if its the downside is not as big as past the exile a lot of the time, and it hits an additional t- uh, card type, mm-hmm. I like this quite a bit. I think I think it's going to see uh, a decent amount of play for sure. Yeah, and it's uncommon, which means there's going to be a lot of them running around. I presume this is going to make it into a lot of decks that just want a little bit more flexibility with the removal spells. All right, the next one is Basri's Lieutenant, three in a white for a three-four human knight has vigilance and protection from multicolored. Mm. When Basri's Lieutenant enters the battlefield, you put a 1-1 counter on target creature you control. Could put it onto Basri's Lieutenant, which would make it a 4-5. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then whenever Basri's Lieutenant or another creature you control dies, if it had a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it, you create a 2-2 white knight creature token with Vigilance. So your stuff with 1-1 one, one counters on it turns into knights. Right. That's kind
2: of cool. With Cathar's Crusade, now oh, you're yeah. putting plus one, plus one counters every single time. You lose a creature with a sac outlet, now you're making a ton of mana, and you're just making infinite mana.
1: Right, because you sac a creature that mana? has a 1-1 one, one counter on it, and then it creates a knight, which enters the battlefield and gets a 1-1 one, one counter from Cathar's Crusade, mm-hmm. and then, yeah. Just do it all over
2: and over again. That's a that's a mono-white infinite mana combo right there, which is kind of cool, if you're using the the altars. Yep. Yeah, um, pretty good. Blood Spore Thinax, Thrynax is a two green green two two with Devour one. So you can sacrifice any number of creatures. And then this cr- creature enters the battlefield with that many plus one plus one counters on it. And it says each other creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional X plus one plus one counters where X is the number of plus one plus one counters on Blood Spore Thrynax. So that's just a way to
1: make sure that all of your creatures are coming in with those plus one plus one counters. Same thing with the altar too. You can yeah. Sack, just sack, sack, sack. Go, 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 go. Metallic Mimic, you name Knights. Boom, you get plus one, plus one counters onto the knights, right?
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. It's created the 2 2 Uh Yeah, uh, Grum goalie, the Generous. There's
1: a lot of things that are plus one, plus one counter themed decks. Renata. There's a lot of stuff that basically says if you have a creature coming to play, it's going to get a plus one, plus one counter, which with Basri's Lieutenant means that every time you sack that creature, it comes back as a knight with a plus one, plus one counter that c- continues because Basri's right. Lieutenant does not say when... Uh, it or another non-token creature you control dies mm-hmm. yeah it's
2: just any time yeah um zemeck guild mage is a card where you can pay a green and blue to remove plus one plus one counters and draw a card but now you're going into the the green the the, the green blue white decks
1: it also has the activated ability of that same as like cathars oh, right. and everything where every creature for this turn that enters the battlefield under your control comes in with a plus one plus one counter so again with the knights you just yeah sack 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 yep 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 sack, sack sack uh gave
2: guru of spores there's a billion ways to go infinite with gave basri's lieutenant works in this kind of deck obviously so i think mono white is actually getting a bit of a fun boost here with basri's lieutenant there's a lot of value stabled on this card it doesn't say draw a card doesn't ramp you but it does make a lot of creatures and there are ways to go infinite with it.
1: yeah gonna work a lot in aristocrats decks too right which is like yeah i'm not going infinite but this just allows me to sack my creatures twice right you yeah, know two creatures so, yeah, yeah. All right, the next card is pretty interesting. It's called Idol of Endurance. Two and a white for an artifact. When Idol of Endurance enters the battlefield, exile all creature cards with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard until Idol of Endurance leaves the battlefield. Hey, okay, interesting. Then you could pay one and a white and tap the Idol of Endurance... And it says, until end of turn, you may cast a creature spell from among the cards exiled with Idol of Endurance without paying its mana cost. So you can only cast one, but it gives you access to all the three CMC or less cards that you exiled out of your graveyard earlier. Yeah,
2: all the creatures.
1: Interesting. So this is kind of pseudo card draw, and it's repeatable, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, and, and, I mean, I like this quite a bit. Obviously... When you play it, you have to have a lot of three CMC things because if you only have like two, well, you're only going to be able to get two cards off this, which makes it not that great. It's still
2: two cards that Mono White typically wouldn't have as much access to unless you're playing like a Sun Titan, right? And
1: it's limited because you can't get any card. It's only three CMC or less Creatures. creatures. But if you're doing some self mill or you play this a little later in the game and you can reliably get like four to five plus cards, this is actually a decent engine and this actually could be a little better than just drawing a card because, you know, when you say draw a card, you can get a land when you don't need one. This mm-hmm. gives you a choice of a certain amount of cards, so it's a little more powerful than just drawing cards. Interesting how they're sort of trying to give White some card advantage and some card draw here. I kind of like it. And, of course, there are some interesting interactions, too, with how it's worded. Yeah,
2: uh, definitely would want to untap this if I can, but I think Tyam is, you know, again, this is a card that Josh tried to build and went,
1: nah, it's going to be really good, but it's also going to be a lot of accounting and dirt. Yeah. Oil. Yeah.
2: Um, so, time wants to, you know, return permanence with CMC3 or to the battlefield and wants to mill. So, Idol of Endurance feels like it has a good fit there mm-hmm. Luris is another card mm-hmm. that wants to cast cards that with cmc two or less from your graveyard so you, i could see a really like low
1: to the ground deck here so that most of your cards are there and they're mostly creatures and you're likely to get a lot of stuff off idle yeah yeah but the only problem is again you can only use it once a turn because you have to tap
2: it so if you can find ways to untap this but then you're now you're reaching outside of the colors of mono white and i think a lot of times we rate cards on this show if they are white to look if they do a good benefit to mono white because it's like yes you can put this card in any deck and probably find a better version of it or something that does has more value so i'm primarily looking at this in mono white maybe two color decks to see how it works out
1: yeah with red too i think it's because they often have a lot of small
2: creatures so this yeah. could be useful there mm-hmm. um you can definitely endure with uh like recasting them a bunch <laughs> Tesa orzhov sign is a card that where you're sacrificing white creatures to exile a target creature so i look and sort of get them back mm. um tashar ancestor's Apostle, uh, whenever you cast a historic spell return target creature card with cmc three or less from a graveyard to the battlefield so again there's a theme emerging here which is just three cmc
1: or less creatures slash permanence um, that's nice though because it does mean that like your deck can really function with a lot of synergy because yeah. if you keep all your creatures three cmc or less you actually have enough payoffs maybe now for that to be a thing right 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 i like that yeah and
2: uh, josh kim plays in the leshy deck that might want to play a card like this who's it's a mardu deck is constantly looking for ways to generate a little bit more value so this i mean again. Those these three CMC cards, Alessha cares about creatures with power two or less from your graveyard. Mm-hmm. So Idol of Endurance seems like a I, I enjoy where this is going. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm down with this. This is pseudo mono white card draw. It's an interesting effect. You have to jump through a tiny hoop to get there, but hey, not bad. Not that, not that bad.
1: Okay, let's go to magical Christmas land for a second here with some cool with a cool interaction. My favorite place to be. Okay. So Sir Conrad, we've been talking a lot about lately. Uh, do you want to read it real quick? Yep. It's a three black, black, legendary, five, four, whenever another creature dies,
2: or a creature card is pinned to a graveyard anywhere other than the battlefield, or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad deals one damage to each opponent, and you can pay one in the black to have every player mill the top card of their library into their
1: graveyard. So anytime a creature goes to the graveyard from anywhere, mm-hmm. it deals one damage for each of those creatures. And anytime a creature leaves the graveyard, it deal it, it does the damage, right? Right. So when you play Idol of Endurance all those creatures are getting exiled. So that with Sir Conrad is going to deal damage equal to however many creatures that is that you're exiling, right? And then notice Idol of Endurance says until Idol of Endurance leaves the battlefield. Oh! So what happens is you exile all the cards, but if Idol of Endurance were to leave the battlefield, all those cards go back into the graveyard, which triggers Sir Conrad because they're going to the graveyard from anywhere. Other than the battlefield specifically, yeah, from exile this time, yeah. And if you go get Idol of Endurance back out... Then they would then exile again, triggering Sir Conrad again. So that's what we call blinking a thing, right? Yep. Yeah. So Aminatu is actually in colors that would be white and black and blue, all mill colors, too. So And you could, all blink colors, white and blue. Yeah, so Aminatu can actually do the blinking of the idol, because uh, Aminatu's negative one is exile another target permanent you own, ah. then return it to the battlefield under your control. So boom, boom. Turbo mil. da- Turbo mill yourself, maybe you could get 20 three cmc or less things in there right exile them all with idol that's 20 damage to everybody blink your idol 20 that's damage. 40 more damage right 2020 20 because yeah. they go in then they come out so that'd be 60 damage right yeah. there you don't even need 20 maybe uh what would do even it even just 13? 10 could do it right yeah. doing 30 to
2: everyone and you gun because they have to be creatures with the idol of endurance but you could also find more ways to flicker your cards now right you could yep. you could flicker it in a bunch of different ways
1: in these colors blue and white so yeah i mean that's obviously uh Two cards that are not your commander. Maybe in a the deck, deck but...
2: type is killing your opponents with net while never swinging at
1: them, or ne- <laughs> with not... all your little CMC creatures. Yeah, though. yeah.
2: They're like, oh, I get it. you're like a an aggro Aminatu deck, and you're like, huh, I just wait until I get this three card combo out. <laughs> and no one interrupts it. it. My dreams, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Actually, that's really cool. Sir Conrad again, though. I think
1: this just speaks more to Sir Conrad yeah. than anything else.
2: <laughs> it just does it on every single. T- it does it all the
1: time. Yeah, that wasn't uh, that wasn't a scenario that showed off the power of Idol of Endurance (laughs) cut off the power of sir conrad (laughs) yeah we happen to do that a lot in the show i think
2: all right coming up with the potentially the cutest card i think i've ever seen it's called nine lives one white white for an enchantment with hex proof if a source would deal damage to you prevent that damage and put an incarnation counter on nine lives when there are nine or more incarnation counters on nine lives exile it when nine lives leaves the battlefield you lose the game So, this has hex proof. Um, I'm not-too-good, just blink it and make you lose immediately. Don't do that. Um, This is an interesting card. I think you don't want to hold on to this card. I think you want to give it to someone else.
1: Yeah, I liked that a lot when you you talked about it. I think you probably want to maybe... Do you even wait around to try and get some counters on it or do you just give it away right away
2: you give it away and then you cast Cyclonic like, rift over <laughs> the- <laughs> and then they lose the game because when it leaves the battlefield you you, you yep. lose the game yep. it has hex proof so you can't just single target it but things that you know bounce well, all online permits there's a few of those with, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, how do we give it to people? Well, Zedru the Great-Hearted is your Jeskai version. You can pay Jeskai to give a control of target permanent you own. is um, <laughs> definitely not good here. Nope. Solemnity is also an interesting card uh, oh. because players can't get counters, and you can't put counters on artifacts, creatures, enchantments, or lands. So, this is one Just if you want to keep all it for yourself.
1: you for... Getting damage dealt to you forever, yeah. basically, because yeah, you can't put the counters on it. If
2: you give this to someone else, they also can't have the counters on it. So they'll be like, "Oh, what a great gift!" And then you bounce it somehow, uh, harmless offering, oh, yeah. which has a cat on it. Perfect. That's actually it. Looks like the same cat. Well, it's gonna have a weird tail though, so we can't uh, really see the tail on this one. So maybe I'm assuming the tail's weird off off camera there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this cat has lived nine lives and it knows how to do. Two <laughs> red <laughs> sorcery target opponent gains control of target permanent you control. So uh, you know. Uh, you don't want to play this card I don't think to be honest unless you're
1: very specifically trying to give it away because there are just too many things that kill it that kill you yeah there's not a ton right there's it has to because of the hex proof so obviously it's a pretty big downside that the most played card in the format besides soul ring is is the card that gets you but there's not a ton of those um I think yeah it's not a great card to play but I think you could play it if you have a plan for dealing damage to yourself that you want to prevent, so like oh, Command the Dreadhorde is a card that you choose any number of target creatures uh, and or planeswalkers in all graveyards and then Command the Dreadhorde deals damage to you equal to the total converted mana cost of those cards and you put the uh, those cards onto the battlefield under your control. So this would prevent all that damage from Command the Dreadhorde. Mm. So if you had a plan like that, um, and I think, you can't just have Command the Dreadhordes in your deck and then play nine lives. You need, a, <laughs> you need a few cards that care about that kind of thing, and then maybe you could think about it. Also, you could run Stifle Effects and some other things to like save yourself from the trigger if you had to. Yeah. That's a lot to build around. Yeah. Know?
2: Yeah, you wrote Angel's Grace here, yeah. which says you can't lose the game this turn. Your opponents can't win the game. It's, a, it's also a mono-white card. So maybe there is a deck that is kind of just like you can never touch me i have cards like nine lives maybe you have a couple ways to remove
1: counters off it and if you happen to draw your cyclonic rift i will have an answer in hand to stifle the trigger or do something yeah and still survive angel's grace or whatever yeah listen i was just grasping because that's what we do for these episodes we are definitely grasping
2: hard i I think in general unless you're trying to give this card away probably not super playable but man that art look at those kitties (laughs) I I like the idea that the nine lives it's lived is as all these
1: epic cats like lions and lionesses and and this is just as like small definitely up there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. The last white card we're going to talk about is Speaker of the Heavens. It's one white mana for a 1-1 human cleric with Vigilance and Lifelink but you can tap it and create a 4-4 white angel creature token with Flying activate this ability only if you have at least 7 life, more than your starting life total, and only any time you could cast a sorcery. So if you're ah. at 47 or more, you can tap Speaker of the Heavens at sorcery speed, and create a 4-4 Flying White Angel. This is Angel Master Outcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a good point. It's a 1-mana angel, yeah. Or a 1-mana... Angel, a maker. angel yeah.
2: maker. Yeah. Um, the sorcery speed definitely hurts it a little bit. Getting up to
1: 47 life, probably not too hard if you really want to i think that's pretty easy yeah. if your decks built around that in a life gain deck would you even play this though i don't i don't like the sorcery speed it's conditional you'd want haste i don't know i could
2: see this as being a player as in like when you put it out no one looks at it because they're not they don't take you that
1: seriously but making four fours once a turn not the worst not the worst not the luminarch worst. ascension though just play that i know Play both all right let's talk about white and how white fared. don't forget we've got basri we've got the sanctum of tranquil light and we have Mangara all right mangara which is a the new card draw uh, engine I don't know if it's I should call, I should call it that but it's it's new uh, white card draw basically says anytime your opponent casts their second spell each turn you draw a card so right um, it's, it has other texts if you get attacked you can draw cards that's not gonna happen very often it's mostly the second spell thing I am somewhat pleased. Yeah. Because I think Idol of Endurance and Nine
2: Lives are the two cards that are like, check it out. We're doing something a little different with White now. And Idol of Endurance is a card advantage card which White needs. And so is Mangara. Um, Yep. I think the rest of the cards are just fine. I think Angelic Ascension is going to be a a bit of a staple in certain decks and just people that were looking for a little more removal. I think White has a good selection of stuff here. Basri's Lieutenant represents an infinite combo that we just talked about. I'm going to say, White, you did great probably in the BB minus area. It didn't fix any of the problems that we're constantly bagging about, but it does make steps. It doesn't like full on fix it.
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. But we did get some nods in the direction we're looking for. I think Mangard being the biggest one. Yeah, and Idle being the second biggest. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like moderately happy. I wish the step was bigger. I wish they were like being a little more drastic with it (laughs) to help because White's behind and just keeping even with everybody is not going to catch them up. They need to actually catch up. So this is like what I would consider to be on par with like green and what everybody usually does but which is an improvement because white usually is actually actively falling behind right but we actually want white to be actively catching up so I, I I think we could do a little better but this is not like anything to really complain about yeah
2: they're making steps in the right direction and again keep in mind the Wizards makes cards two years in advance sometimes so this means that if we were complaining about white two years ago this is we're how we're starting, starting to, to see to address it, now, it now yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm again I'm very interested to see what happens in the rest of the year we got those jumpstart promos uh um, uh spoilers coming out as well as commander legends I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised by the end of the year I'm hoping fingers crossed
1: all right that's going to do it for part one of our set review we'll be finishing up part two with the rest of the colors plus the artifacts the multicolored cards the lands and we're going to be tackling everyone's favorite questions which is what uh, we think the most powerful new card in the set is is it Teferi? (laughs) is there something on the next episode even more powerful only one way to find out there (laughs) might actually be there's one I think is in contention for sure Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we're also going to answer what is our favorite new card which is Lives. yeah is yeah, isn't always the most powerful new it's card. got the cats. All right, to the listeners, what is your favorite card that we talked about on today's episode? Which do you think is the most powerful? Are there any cards in green or white that you think are awesome that we did not talk about? Or combos that we didn't realize? Uh, we know we
2: almost made a mistake with the infinite combo, so you can stop typing that comment if you're still somehow typing it. <laughs> You've
1: been typing it forever then. Yeah, they've just
2: been like, <laughs> and then you mess this up, and then you mess this up. They don't sound like that, by the way. So uh, yeah, please let us know. You can comment, you can tweet at us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of those are legitimate. Places to talk to us, and hey, talked about a lot of cards today. Talked about a lot of combos, and I I know some of you out there are itching to make a new mono white deck or a new uh, uh, Boros deck with some of these additions. So go ahead and go to cardkingdomcom zone if you want to pick up any of those singles or sealed products. And let's say you want to draft m 21, or you want to get a jump start on Jump Start. The cards being spoiled for it already look really exciting, and I think that play format is something that is something that i would just love to have right a box of that always mm-hmm. take it to a convention whip it out
1: build a deck together and play immediately sounds like a lot of fun so yeah definitely card kingdom.com slash commanders command zone is the place to get all your stuff and uh when you get all of those cards, you really do want to protect them. You want them to remain in pristine condition, especially if you pull like a Teferi or something. I have a feeling that oh, that card is going to be worth quite a bit uh, just from commander to man. And fun. there's
2: four different versions of it as well. Showcase frame. So there's lots of cool things to protect this time
1: around. So uh, make sure you get Eclipse sleeves. You get some perfect fit sleeves. You know, Jimmy does this. He likes to double sleeve the stuff. Keep them really, really safe. Yeah. Ultra Pro really does make the best stuff to comp- to uh, protect your stuff, played on a nice Ultra Pro playmat. I think they even have Teferi-themed playmats and sleeves and deck boxes, too. So if you want to go all in on Teferi, then Ultra Pro has you covered for sure. Yeah, definitely make everyone like you
2: more because Teferi, everyone loves Teferi, right? You never oh, yeah. see anyone you complain see Teferi.
1: And people go, ah, they never do that. Never. Never, ever. All, all right, right, we're going to skip the end step because this is a set review in two parts. We'll cover the end step on part two. So no end step on this episode. All right.
2: Big thanks, as always, to our editing, graphics, and logistics team here at the Command Zone. We've got Ashlyn Rose, Craig Blanchett, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Jake's Boss, Jake's Boss. Who is Jake's
1: boss? Us. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <I was laughs> Josh <gonna say. laughs> Murphy, Alfred Estaca, and Sam Waldo. Uh, a special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the Living Card animations that begin and end each of our shows and sit behind us here on set. You can find Jeffrey at Living Cards MTG on Twitter. All right, everyone,
2: keep playing. Let us know what cards you're excited about in the comments, and we'll see you next time. Keep activating your
1: uh, loyalty fair. abilities on yeah. everyone else's <laughs> turn. Have fun with that, everybody. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, peace. Bye.